I've become a believer in them that teach have done it. Laura Monaco Martino is an artist development mentor based in Staten Island, New York, with a track record of success. Listen while I pick the brain of a like-minded, experienced professional who cares about her clients like I do. Hello, this is Judy Rodman. You're listening to All Things Vocal Podcast. This is the audio version of the blog you can find at judyrodman.com. Laura Monaco Martino is an entrepreneur, music creator, and mentor of creative people with both sides of her brain working overtime. With her career experience, her skills in writing, her intuitive business acumen, and understanding of creative psychology, Laura has developed not one but three companies with her husband, ET Studio Productions, TE Music Group, and ET Labs. She has practical experience, which I particularly appreciate. In her early career, Laura shared the stage with such artists as Lady Gaga, Lana Del Rey, and more. Her songs have had lots of media placement, including Keeping Up with the Kardashians, America's Got Talent, the Hallmark Channel, and Oxygen Network. She is certified from Berkeley as a music business professional and vocal style specialist. Laura's clients have appeared on American Idol, The Voice, X Factor, and America's Got Talent, and have toured the world and landed on major playlists, including getting millions of Spotify plays, which is a wonderful sort of uh, evidence of success. And she's also a mom. She and her husband have a little boy. So I'm so looking forward to this conversation. Hey, Laura, welcome to All Things Vocal. I'm so glad you're here with us. Thank you so much, Judy. I am a fan. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And you're still stringing sentences together. That's amazing. You you live a, run, a renaissance woman kind of life. <laughs> yes, I do. I don't know how I do it. And I don't drink caffeine, so not good for the voice. <laughs> I know, but without the one cup in the morning, I'm not stringing sentences together. Yeah. So I just take an extra glass of water. So there you go. But really, to be successful, artists today have to wear many hats really well, and that is exactly what you do. So I want to start our interview here by asking you, what factors have contributed to your multidimensional successful life and career? Were your parents entrepreneurs? So I'll try to give you the abridged version uh, (laughs) with that. I I grew up in the Bronx, New York. My dad always loved to sing. He was in a doo-wop group in the streets in the corner of the I Bronx. knew there was some hereditary stuff in there. Yeah. <laughs> but he didn't get to pursue it, you know, as a career. He just did it kind of a, on the side. And, you know, my dad's really old school. He, you know, the doo-wop generation is really what I grew up around. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was always kind of encouraging me to pursue music. But you know what? It didn't really take much push. I, I feel like ever since I can remember, I mean, my mom will show me videos of myself singing, take me out to the ball game and somewhere over the <laughs> rainbow and a whole new world at four years old. And I think that it's just always been in my blood. And thankfully, you know, I did have the support system from my parents, although they didn't really know how to direct me. Neither of my parents are entrepreneurs, though. And I would be lying if hmm. I said that either of them were or are really, you know, they're great parents. And it's just that they're not, they're not business mindset, neither of them. So I really don't know where that came from. I, I've always kind of felt different as a child, even, you know, with my classmates, I felt like I always had a mission in life. And I think it's the, the empath in me. I think it's because I connect 
to people and to life and to world changes. I'm very sensitive to it. And it's just something that I always felt like I needed to follow. And mm-hmm. I wasn't sure what that looked like. I, I wasn't. So, you know, so I started singing at a young age and then I started training around 11 years old. You know, my parents really didn't know what to do with this. They just said, oh, she sings. And, you know, the first thing I'll do is put her in voice lessons, which I'm, I'm grateful now that they did. And my first teacher was an opera singer. Mm-hmm. And although I don't sing opera, I, I, at the time I was like, oh, I just, I don't want to sing this. I want to sing Cher. I want to sing Barbara <laughs> Streisand. I want to sing, you know, more kind of adult contemporary pop style music. But if I hadn't had that initial training, my technique definitely would not be what it is right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I, I, you know, I had, I had that teacher for about three years and then I had a jazz vocal teacher. I had a rock vocal teacher. Um, I had an R&B soul teacher and I, I kind of got around. I studied in Manhattan basically most of my life when it came to private voice lessons. And during that time, you know, one of my teachers really was starting to push me to write because I would always say I love to write. And I was that girl that would write in my diary. That was me. Oh, yeah. I was a, I was a journal writer and I would write poems. And, and one of my poems actually, I think, got published. I don't even remember the name of the, the company, but it did get published. It was I, I must have been like 11, Aww. 12 years old. Wow. Yeah. So I always I always loved to to write. And she said, you know, I think you're a songwriter. And I said, yeah, I think I am too, but I, I don't know where to start. So we did some songwriting training and, you know, I just kind of learned how to do that. And I'm, I've always been kind of like a, a truth seeker. I still am. I always want to read more, know more, learn more. You know, I, I'm a student forever for the rest of my life. I'll always mm-hmm. be a student. I learn things from my students every day, as I'm sure you do. Mm-hmm. And that journey kind of led me to different things. You know, I, I had a band, I, I performed all over Manhattan, I was writing, you know, writing music for myself. And then I started writing for other writers. And through this kind of journey, I became so fascinated with the performance aspect of it. And not just the vocals. I mean, yes, the technique is great. But the performance aspect in specific of just not going up on the stage and singing, really telling the story. You know, a lot of my friends would say, well, why don't you consider doing Broadway? And I said, listen, I love Broadway. I have nothing against Broadway. But Broadway, to me, and I still kind of feel this way, although I love going to shows, it's sad I can't go now anymore. But it felt like everything was kind of the same. And I think that that's why, as a young child, I wasn't compelled to do opera either. Boy, have things changed, eh? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) I know. And I, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't follow the opera route or the, or the Broadway route because I just felt like I wanted to create my sounds and I wanted to really kind of express myself, not as mm-hmm. a character. Mm-hmm. And I felt like that was really what, what healed me. Yeah. I mean, it, it just evolved. There's, I can go on forever. I'm sure you'll ask me more questions, but that's the beginning of it. That's amazing. It really has so much to do with what you're able to do now uh, in the way your brain works. You know, in the past, artists didn't have to be entrepreneurs. They didn't have to be business people. They just signed with a label who did all the business for them. And all they needed yes. to do is create and perform. And that's pretty much right. it. And wish and hope that they're lucky and, and got with people that were not crooks. Yes. I'll never forget in my crazy career, when musicians started having to feel like they needed to go to MIT because they had to program things and they'd never had to do such a thing. So there's cons at at having to do all of this because we have to be so many things. We have to, you know, learn so many things. We're on a need to know basis and we need to know a lot, but also some real pros about it, which means we can control our own destiny now. 
And instead of whining, you know, we can look for information that is quality and trustable and get to work where there used to be a bottleneck and you really couldn't do that. It's interesting for me, I've been in it, you know, like 50 years and you've been in it 20 years or whatever. And it's interesting to compare our journeys. I've had to make so many paradigm shifts in my career and I had to become a businesswoman and I, I was not. And you know what else? As a songwriter, I didn't start writing songs till my mid-20s. And I I didn't take any classes in songwriting. You know, I'd started professionally singing since 17. And what I'd done is dissected songs along the way. And I had one year of classical training that if you look in my blog post about how I recovered my voice from uh, endotracheal tube scarring, that was how. Just a little bit of classical training made the difference. So you and I have lived oddly parallel sort of that's what I was gonna say journeys in, yeah. in our own unique ways. It's, yes. it's fascinating. Yeah. I, I think all creatives in, in some way, you know, we connect. I you know my, my parents always said to me, you're an old soul, Laura, you're an old soul. Mm-hmm. I oh, yeah. oh, I like hanging out with my mother's friends. I like yeah. hanging out with the older generation because I just felt like I learned. Yeah. I've always come from that kind of mindset of who can I learn from? Mm-hmm. And I just always wanted to surround myself with people that were more experienced than me. I would say that some of the older are wise and some of the older are bitter. And I think that's that's what we need to do is look out for the elders who have decided to make compost out of the crap (laughs) that they've experienced. You know, I've been through, I've been through the mills too. And and my career trajectory has changed a lot too. You know, it started as an artist and now I'm an entrepreneur business owner behind the scenes. And I yeah. started out when MySpace was a big thing and now it's, it's TikTok, oh, you know, and it's that's just the truth. It's, oh, it's yeah. totally, and you have to keep up with all of it. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Well, we'll, I'd like to get into that, but first I want to talk and kind of backtrack just a second here and talk about how that, which does not kill you makes you stronger. So, you know, if you've been in, the creative arts in the business realm of it for very long. You've experienced some negative experiences, let's say. Uh, you yeah. can't help but do that because it's, uh, you know, and creatives have such tender hearts anyway, and uh, they, they tend to be easily broken. And one thing that I teach my students is to kind of look at the fact that a lot of them are, are tender and wounded and um, shy, but I think of creative minds as having feelers, more feelers than people that aren't so creative in, in their personalities. And so this is where I want to get into what you've learned with the artist development that you do. Part of the job of artist development, isn't it, is to sort of focus those feelers up. How can you learn to do that really well unless you've been through your own experiences? So tell me a little bit about how feelings that you've experienced have made you stronger for having to go through them. Yeah, that's a great question. And uh, I, I usually tell this story a lot. I teach performance workshops mm-hmm. a few times a year with a, with a small group of students. And we go through this process where we kind of, it's like a sleepover. We kind of just talk about personal things. You know, everything stays behind closed doors. And we get our emotions stirred up. And a lot of times people won't say it. So I'll usually be the first one that'll get up and start talking. Yeah. About it. And I cry every time. It's like, I can tell the same story. And every time <laughs> I say it, I start crying just because I'm always at the edge of my emotions, especially when it comes to things that really mean a lot to me and matter in a big way. So, you know, I, you know, it's not a secret. I I suffer from, from anxiety. I wouldn't say that I have anxiety disorder, but I definitely, you know, get very anxious. And 
I think um, being in the music business for so many years, being an entrepreneur, now being a, a new mother, my son's only two and a half. Oh, so wow. I think going through going, yeah, I think going through this whole entire process for me, it's like I always want to make the world a better place. And if I'm not able to do that, I start to feel anxious and like I don't have control. So, you know, in time. The more I learn about you, the more I love you. I love you. <laughs> I love you already. Such a, <laughs> that's awesome. That's what I think our main goal, our brass ring should be, is to make the world a better place. That's it. And, and so that's what that's where our value is. That's where our satisfaction is. It's funny how it works, isn't it? That's it. You know, and I and when I see my students grow and I see my students excel, and again, I'm sure you feel the same way, it makes my heart happy. I go yes. to sleep at night. I'm like, I did it. I did it. <laughs> so I think breaking down the barriers come down to a lot of things. I've spent a lot of years studying um, motivational speakers and being alone with prayer and going through my own kind of spiritual religious journey mm -hmm. through many different factors in my life. And I think that it all comes down to allowing yourself to be vulnerable. And I think that being vulnerable is a scary thing for many people. Yeah. So the first thing that we do is have a conversation like I'm big sister and we, you know, we build the trust and we build the relationship. I use a phrase with my students, real singing is not for the squeamish. That's it. I love that. There we go. I'll quote that on the yeah. website. <laughs> you got it. You can have it. That's it. So I think that just explaining that, you know, and I had trouble with it too. I was always like, yeah, I'm Bronx tough girl. I'm not going to allow myself to be vulnerable. <laughs> I'm just going to pretend. And, <laughs> and I'll never forget. I took this one performance workshop in New York city and the teacher's like, yeah, I don't believe you. And I'm like, but I believe myself. And she's like, no, I don't believe you. And we went through this kind of weekly struggle here where I just would not let myself go. And as a result, I had neck tension. I had jaw tension. There was a lot of things that were holding me back. And once I allowed myself to be vulnerable and let go, that's it. There was no turning back for me. You will always be anxious. That's the other thing that I tell my students. You can't expect to not be afraid. You're a human being. You can't expect to not feel the jitters. That's always going to be there. You need to be honest about it and you need to embrace it and you have to use it. Also, I also say this. I say, if you are prepared, you will have opportunities and you will be less anxious in that opportunity if you feel prepared. Absolutely. So a lot of the times nerves come from not being prepared. That means mm -hmm. you didn't practice enough. You know, learn the song so well that it becomes part of your body so that when you're singing it, the only thing you are thinking about is the story. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. And that took me years, years to understand that. And, you know, I teach a lot of kids between mostly high school years, between the ages of 13 and like, 21, right? Mm -hmm. And that's a hard age. When I was mm -hmm. in high school, I had so many things going on. I'm like, come on, you have to have, tell me the juice. What's going on? Mm -hmm. Which boy is being mean to you? Which girl is being mean to you? Yeah. There's got to be some friend drama. And even though they haven't experienced really true heartbreak, let's say for an example, because that's a universal feeling, some of them maybe have, but really true heartbreak. Let's think about when your friends have, or in a book or in a favorite movie that you've watched, or what you think it is in your mind, tell me, or when your dog died, like give me something that's going to give me that real emotion so that you can think about that. If you laser focus on each person in the audience, like you're singing to each one of them individually, and individually. then go through your internal, mm -hmm. your internal emotions, and you give that combination, you people will be sold. Mm -hmm. It almost doesn't even matter if it's not a hundred percent technically right. perfect performance. Right. 
I mean, we want you to be on pitch, but it almost doesn't matter. If you can just tell the story and believe it, mm-hmm. even if you're not the songwriter, let's do it. And, you know, I go through a series of exercises with my students. So to answer your question, you know, whenever, anytime I feel anxious, usually I'll write down my feelings. I will sing a song. I will meditate. I'll pray. You know, I'll go through many things to just kind of clear my mind, Mm -hmm. try to clear my mind and really listen to what my heart wants for that moment. And if my heart does not get what it wants in that moment, I try very hard to just surrender and let it go and let God. And that's just, mm-hmm. I, I try to live my life that way. It doesn't always work, but you know, no one's perfect. And I think admitting that, and a lot of people think that if you're an entrepreneur and you're a business leader, that you don't go through these things. And I'm always very clear that, mm-hmm. listen, I, I have problems too. Mm-hmm. I have issues, issues, I have challenges, I have struggles just like you. Am I going to come here now and lay it on you heavily and make you feel yucky when you walk out of my session? No, I have to work daily on keeping my mind clear and my heart open so that I can be there for the younger generation and help them kind of pave the way of being leaders themselves. You know, I I think that's real important to remember what we're doing when we're doing it. When we're working with a client, we share the depths of ourselves or our experience or whatever only for the purpose of helping that client do the same or unbottle themselves. Other than that, it's like being a mother. You know, you don't dump yeah. that on your child. Right. And so for that reason, I've come to the definite conclusion that all teachers and mentors need other teachers and mentors, meaning yes. just other friends, even other, other friends to whom we can be accountable and to whom we can be real and we can have a moment that we can actually get because we give so much. Uh, and that is our jobs to be givers, empaths. I was going to ask you, cause I, I, you know, in researching you, I saw that where you are, you, you consider yourself an empath. And I think, I think, you know, that that's true of, of me too, because we, I mean, when we're watching our students, our vocal apparatus is even sort of configuring itself to what they're doing. You know, I mean, it's not just psychological, it's physical. Absolutely. Where do you find that uh, being an empath and, and all that, and being a giver, you start giving out or feeling too much empathy and it starts to freeze you and detract from your life and your work. What do you do then? Yeah. Yeah, it happens a lot. It happens a lot. Mm -hmm. And and now, especially during COVID and what's happening in the world, it's happening way more often than it's (laughs) ever happened before. You know, and I think that it's just, I think it's acceptance for me. It's just like, listen, it's in the air. I mean, I feel like even, you know, my students feel it. They'll come in. They're just like, I just feel yucky today. I don't know. I feel blah. It's like, listen, girl, I understand you. It's in the air. Mm -hmm. It's in the air. And everyone right now is afraid nobody knows what's going to happen next. So we're all kind of afraid of the unknown right now. Mm -hmm. So it's frozen me a lot, you know, to the point where I feel like I need to just unplug and, you know, read a book and just get away, turn off social media, turn off my phone and just be with my family and not even think about sometimes even the creative stuff. It's exhausting to be creative sometimes when you're feeling creatively drained and emotionally drained. Have you ever had a point where the last thing you want to hear is the radio or the music or anything like that? Oh, that that happens all the time. I'm like, just turn the radio (laughs) off, turn the TV off. I want nothing. I just want silence, you know, and I'll I'll put my lavender oils on me on me. Oh yeah, me too. I've got lavender on my bed. (laughs) 
There you go. Spray the bed. I'll do some yoga. I'll light some candles. You know, I'll do whatever I can to to just momentarily kind of break it. You yeah. know, Tony Robbins, I listen to a lot of the things that he says. And one of the things that he says is, if somebody's in the middle of, of hysterics, right, how do you get them out of that hysteric? He says, if I poured a bucket of water over their head, they'd be really pissed off. Now, all of a sudden, they're going from being sad to incredibly angry. Now, I would never <laughs> say to do that or suggest that. But I think that the point of him saying that was to get yourself out of that mindset and focus on something else mm -hmm. so that you can go back to that thing with a clear mind. Mm -hmm. But there's been times, there's been times I've never frozen on stage, but there's definitely been times when I've gotten on the stage because I've been so consumed with family issues, you know, any life issues. And then I have to get up on stage and perform. And I was completely choked up. Mm -hmm. Like the whole performance just completely choked up. Mm -hmm. And although it was a great performance emotionally, it definitely was not my best vocally. I had trouble conceiving. I'll tell you really quick. For about a year and a half, my husband and I had trouble conceiving. And I was told the odds were against me and all these various things. And I was really, really, really sad, really sad. Because as a woman, that now that's attacking me as a woman. I was so, so sad. And anytime I had to sing on the stage during that time frame, I just couldn't do it. I'd fall into a blubbering mess. And then when I got pregnant, I was a blubbering mess even again. I got <laughs> pregnant nat naturally, naturally. So like all these things were just... Now I'm pregnant. I have emotions of being pregnant. I was told I couldn't get pregnant, but I got pregnant. And now I'm, I'm like, I'm so happy, but I'm also scared and I'm crying. <laughs> Let's talk about another little concept because I think it's incredibly important for artists today. Because on one hand, there is so much ability now to perfect things. The tuner from hell, you know, that, that tunes every tiny little nuance out of your pitch. Uh, <laughs> the TV shows that I've got students up there and you do as well. And all they're required to do is survivor of the vocal cords is what I call those contests and, you know, just be perfect. And then they're also under contract allowed to tweak the perfection just in case they want you to not sound so perfect. So it's crazy. <laughs> yes. the, the competition that really has nothing to do with creating music. I mean, there's no competition with originality, but it's a fact, you know, we're competing on the radio for the top 10 spots and everything else. So there's so much competition. There's so much perfection that is taught in colleges and publishing companies are looking for a specific thing from you. And if you go out of bounds, they won't accept that song and you have to write another one to fulfill your quota and all kinds of crazy stuff. I'm hearing definite calls from the public and from just people in general, including artists, for authenticity. And to me, authenticity is not perfection. It is taking out the stuff that detracts from whatever the message is you're delivering, like pitchiness that, that shouldn't be there because it's distracting and the audience ear is so used to perfect pitch, you know, on the radio. If it's a little bit too off, then yeah, tune it. But don't take out the nuances of quote unquote imperfection that actually creates the magic and the humanness of that message. Are you getting that too about the authenticity? Oh, 100%. I tell my students a lot there's a difference between recording live, recording for a record, performing live, 
yeah. singing for an audition. Mm -hmm. There are different there are different approaches that you need to take for all of them. And depending on the genre and the style of music, this is why I love country music so much and Nashville so much <laughs> is because it really is about telling a story and it's it's different than all the other styles of music. Not I love, I appreciate all styles of music, but it's very different. So what I will usually do, my husband's a big advocate for this too. My husband is a recording engineer for the studio and producer. Mm -hmm. And he he really has a great ear for vocals. Before me, he was really good. Since we were together 13 years, he's gotten even better. He can, you know, run these sessions and basically be a vocal producer without me in the room now. But a lot of the times he will, and depending on the song, he will have an artist sing through the entire thing, you know, 10 times in a row and then record it in sections. And, and he, he will usually keep big chunks of that, you know, that full take often because the emotion is better, mm -hmm. you know, and if it's not, if it's not terribly off, he'll just, he'll leave it, you know? Yeah. So mm -hmm. I think that, I think that that really gives the listener um, a real view. You know, the thing that bothers me a lot is when I hear a singer on a record, I'm like, this is so good. This singer's yeah. so good. And then you hear them sing live and you're like, what the heck's going on? This is like not the same singer. <laughs> They've created it. <laughs> yeah. Well, another thing, if it gets to a certain point of perfection, for me, no matter how well they, they can sing, I can't relate to it. It doesn't, it doesn't move me. It doesn't move right. my heart. I'm thinking of two artists right now that are that way. And I'm not going to name them because I don't want, you know, to embarrass anybody, but they're on the radio and they are successful, but there's another band like that. And another singer kind of in that same category that are way more successful. And I think that's why, you know, they don't copy and paste every chorus. doesn't mean you should never do that, especially for EDM or pop music that you want to be somewhat uniform and there's a reason for it. Right. But if there's not, right. if, if you repeat something, there's got to be a reason you're repeating it. So you need to do it a little bit differently or have a little different vibe on it or maybe a lick on it or different dynamic yep. on it or something. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah. I tell, I tell students it'll come. And, and it's also the sequence of emotions too, right? Right. If you're going through a breakup, you're sad and then you're angry and then you're sad again. Mm -hmm. And then you maybe might be a little hopeful that the future's better. And then you're just numb, right? Like yeah. you go yeah. through a cycle of events. So, so the story needs to go through, go that way too. It's not the same. You're not interpreting that chorus the same way every single time. Again, it depends on the song, but for the most part, you know, we, we definitely, and I, I say this to my students all the time, find creative ways to change it, make it different, mm -hmm. especially if they want to sing a cover song. That's mm -hmm. another thing that happens often. Right. This is always my rule. If you are singing a cover, you better sing it just as good, better or different. Yeah, yeah. If you are giving me a karaoke version of the same exact song, it's not going to do anything for you artist-wise. It will help you educationally to just understand why those singers chose those licks, why those singers chose to add a little cry or a little creak or a little run to or their Or learning voice. the technique to, to be able to do that. Right. If you're doing it for educational purposes, that's different. Mm -hmm. But if you're doing it to release it as an artist, to, to express your originality, that's not going to work. Mm -mm. If you're looking for session work, <laughs> there you go. Right, you can exactly. do that. <laughs> right, that's right. Because they're looking for the same thing. Uh -huh. Exactly. But on the topic of originality, it won't work. Yeah. Yeah. Let's let's talk about the three companies that you you and your husband have created. First, uh, tell me about ET Studio Productions, because I think that's like the main deal right now, right? Yeah, that's the main that's the main parent company. Yeah. So ET stands for emerging talent. I love that. That's actually a quick, funny story. E.T. didn't always stand for emerging talent. Well, extraterrestrial. There you go. 
Yeah, that's what, that's what everybody said. Like, that's what everybody thought. You know, for my friends are like, that's not a good name. People are going to think of ET Phone Home. I'm like, no, I have to keep it. I have to keep it. ET Entertainment Tonight was the name of a DJ company that I used to substitute sing for. And the first time I got hired by them was through recommendation for another, for another friend. And that's where I met my husband. So it was my, it was my husband's <laughs> father's company. Wow. So ET just stuck. And I'm like, we can't call this entertainment tonight. That sounds like a DJ concert. That's not a good name. <laughs> and you're like, how about ET Studio Productions and ET won't stand for anything? And I'm like, oh, I, don't, I can't go with that. I don't know. I need to have, I need to figure it out. And then I'm like, how about emerging talent? That's what's happening. Talent is emerging from, from this and it's just working. Mm-hmm. So I met my husband that way. You know, I was an artist doing my thing and he was a producer. And, you know, we just started saying, hey, let's exchange MySpace pages <laughs> at the time. And let's do some, let's let's make some music together. And then we hit it off right away on many levels, on a spiritual level, on a, on a creative level, you know, on a romantic level. And we, and we were together ever since. And we realized that we both had the same mission in life, which was to change the world of music, change humans. We loved people. My husband's a very gentle soul. He's a very quiet person. He's a lo- the opposite of me when it comes to that. I'm always like the person that speaks to everyone and he's very more of the listener and I'm more of the chatter, chatterbox. And um, you know, we, we complimented each other very well. And we said, you're doing production and you're, you're an amazing guitarist and you're also a songwriter. I'm teaching voice and I'm a songwriter and a performer and an artist. There's a gap here. Mm -hmm. So especially in Staten Island, but in general, I think that there's just a gap here. And I think it all boils down to what you said is that I I actually care about this. I want artists to not make the same mistakes that I made. Mm -hmm. There's not enough time in life to make your own mistakes. Learn from others if you can. Um, But we created ET Studio Productions as as a result of that together. And we had the same mission. And, you know, I can say that since 2013, we've tripled in size in both team and space. It's been such a blessing. We did we put up one ad, we never put up another ad ever again. And everything was word of mouth. It's wild. It really is. Yeah, yeah. I met my husband in a cover band I was in in Memphis. uh, And he was the drummer and I was the chick singer, one of the chick singers. And we were doing all these cover things from, you know, Chaka Khan to uh, Brazil 66 and Carol King and all this, this kind of stuff. And we, we got together and we used to, in the breaks, we would go out and sit in his old Mercedes and, and, and just chat about life and that, that we kind of came, came upon commonality, you know, uh, that way and, and grew together and everything. But I met my husband in 1971. Yeah. Nice. Uh, yeah, we I wasn't even a thought yet. <laughs> he was a session drummer and he was amazing in Memphis. But uh we moved to Nashville in 80, 1980. And he went on the road with me for a while, but then he quit and uh and you know, it was a long time and he'd really totally lost his chops. Well, we were watching James Taylor and Carol King on it was on TV. And I just looked at him and I said, you know, if we could move people like that again wouldn't you want to do it again? Cause he had, he'd quit. And I figured he'd roll his eyes up in the ceiling like he usually does, but he didn't. He said, yeah. So we went from there. He got his chops up, you know, took about a few months and got him back and got the love for it back. Long story short, we started writing songs too. And we'd never done that. And we came out with another album that we released in 2015. And so oh, just, it. you never know, you know, just when you think you like, you're busy being a mentor and a teacher and all that, and the 
performance part, the artist part is kind of off the table, or at least on the side, all of a sudden it just comes back and it's kind of organic, you know, the way one part of our lives actually influences and affects the other part of our lives. So you should expect that too. So as far as my own stuff, it's funny that you said that because in, in your, you met your husband through music as well. So it's funny how yeah, that yeah. that happens, right? Yeah. I released the cover of How Long Will I Love You, which was an Elle Goulding song, and I dedicated it to my son um, for his first birthday. And then I released a cover of my grown-up Christmas list last year, which is actually more more relevant. It pertains more to life now than it even did last year. So I'll probably do some posts about that. But it's funny what you said, because I have a a whole entire original record written. It's in my phone. (laughs) You know what? It's just, it's just life happens. And then you become so consumed with everyone else that you're just like, when am I going to have time to go through that? But I will say this, I have a fourth company that I haven't launched yet that I'm probably, that I'm probably, well, you mentioned this is why I have to say it, that I'm, that I'm actually the, probably the most excited about. Um, I can just say the name here because it's not a secret. It's called E.T. Littles. And it's basically going to be songs for children. It's going to be original music that's inspiring children. And this happened when I started to sing makeup songs to my son. And I'm singing probably 90% of them. We already have a bunch of songs written already. And that's going to be probably launched hopefully in the spring. You know, we got slowed down with COVID and stuff. But that's going to mostly just be an online, you know, thing and project. But I'm really passionate about it. We'll put some animated videos behind it. And I think it'll be really special. Yeah. So you'll definitely be hearing more from from Laura, this Laura Monaco, the singer, for sure. Awesome. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. uh, And you know, in doing that, in doing that, you become a better teacher. I'm starting to do background vocals again, which is why I've got this little Sure SM7B that I just bought. And I've never been an engineer. And my whole career, I have never known really about compression and stuff like that. You know, (laughs) I mean, I know the word and I know kind of what it means, but I've never had to do the gear like this, like on a need to know basis. So now I've got, I've got engineer friends who recommended this Apollo twin and this mic. And so I'm doing background vocals again. And I'm noticing as I'm doing them, re-remembering all the stuff that I need for for ultimate control. Cause I, you know, was a jingle singer back when editing required blood. So we had to be, we had to be really precise, but it's funny how in singing and you're singing too, don't you sort of reinforce or re-remember stuff that you teach? And so you teach it better. Yes. Yes. I always say teaching has made me a better singer and singing has made me a better teacher. They go hand in hand. Absolutely. All right. So that's ET Studio Productions, your ET Labs thing. Let me tell you, when I first started teaching, I envisioned, and I never did it and I never will, but I envisioned because I, I could see whatever, how much everybody needed all these different things. Some kind of company with different rooms in the buildings and one would have like a masseuse and one would have a chiropractor and one would have a, uh, a physical therapist kind of teacher teaching physical exercise. Right. And one would be a nutritionist and then would have, we would all sort of be in the same <laughs> conglomerate and, because everybody needs all these things. Sounds like my kind of space. I want to go there. Yeah. Those are all my well, favorite things. Your ET labs is the closest thing I've ever seen to it because you're, what you're, you're doing is you're taking different creative arts and putting them in that same place, right? Yeah. So my favorite thing and the greatest thing about ET labs, and it's really a, a, a joy of mine and I'm so grateful to God that I'm able to do this, is that we have a highlight. It's an integrative learning company, which means that it's a highlight with t- teaching children with special needs. And that is something that I've always 
Yeah, I've always been passionate about that. Again, especially mm-hmm. as a mom, you know, things just change when you become a mom, you become more sensitive and more empathic <laughs> to different things. And, you know, I was encountering through teachings, you know, some students with special needs. And I said, you know what, these kids really need to express mm-hmm. themselves. And they may not have a voice to actually be able to sing, but they need to they need to do it in a creative way. I believe that being creative heals no matter how it is. So in teaching an art class, in doing a yoga and meditation class, which helps quiet the mind, science class, putting things together, dancing and exercising to get the body kind of moving, whatever it is, each child is different. How can I get involved in the community, help children with special needs, help them feel included in the rest of the community, and have different options of, of things that they can do as a hobby just to help them kind of heal and help them express themselves in, in a creative way. So ET Labs was born and labs comes from, you know, science and experiments and ex- experimenting really and trying and exploring different things. And the team of teachers that I put together, I've met, you know, along my journey mm-hmm. in my career. Some of them are existing students mm-hmm. of mine that have grown on to go in college and they're special education teachers and they have a passion for working with, you know, with that kind of community. And, uh, you know, I'm not teaching any of those classes. I built a lot of them and I trained my teachers and we did training and stuff. I have an amazing office manager that's passionate about it. And we tapped into the special needs community and the integrative learning community. And now these children are coming and learning and having fun in the process. And that that's really a beautiful thing. It's across the hall from ET Studio Productions. It's it's the the decor and the brand is a lot different is in the respect that it's mm-hmm. very colorful mm-hmm. and bubbly and more kind of fun and youthful and then ET Studio Productions is you know the recording studio type atmosphere with dim lights so we have that option now that th- that these children you know can go there and still be able to express themselves so I'm really 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 passionate about that and and so grateful that I can do that besides special needs children even with adult uh, or teenage artists in their careers, it's really good to have something else on your resume besides being able to sing, like acting. And of course, I don't know about you, but acting classes that I've taken has helped immensely yes. with interpretation of song and teaching that. Yes. So it's dancing, you know, or painting or whatever. I think sometimes dabbling in another creative art actually helps release your primary art a little bit in forms. Absolutely. Of, yeah. I love that. Oh, that's a good, that's good. See, that's a good pitch line. You want to be my promo? (laughs) Anytime. Okay. In your TE music group, that's where your songs are, right? Yes. Is that your publishing company? Yeah. So TE music group has sort of been a, I mean, it's still active, but I haven't really pushed the station like that for a while. TE music group is the emergence music group. So that was basic. That's basically our production company name. And we've had any Mm -hmm. placements on any of these shows. It's gone under the Emergence Music Group as the production company. Once an an artist achieved a certain level of success and has kind of gone through their their skill set, kind of mastered their craft to the best that they could at at that point, they would then emerge to TE Music Group. Um, but you know, ET studio productions has kind of become that because we've made it an e- we've made it an audition based company. We just changed it these past kind of six to eight months where they start with a beginner and then they can kind of mm-hmm. advance to me. Mm-hmm. TE music group is still there kind of collecting our royalties for any placements and stuff that we've had in management. Although I loved managing Brielle cause she's so incredible and I believe in her still to this it's really a full-time job that plus 
these businesses plus being a mom, it's just impossible to do it all. No, I'm going to start being anxious when you start talking about managing more people <laughs> and doing what you're doing. <laughs> no. Okay. I'm going to be like, my empathy is going to be like going overboard for you. <laughs> okay, you okay. So let's talk about some specific artist development questions here. What do you see that emerging artists make as far as mistakes? Yeah, the usual mistakes are um, pushing the green when they're not ready to push the green, which is just, I'm ready, I'm going to record music and I'm going to release it now, mm -hmm. or I'm going to start posting about my single that's coming out without figuring out any type of marketing plan or strategy behind it, or I'm going to start releasing my before I've learned how to perform it because I may get asked to do a, an in-person performance or a virtual performance. You know, I think that everyone is so eager to release music these days because really it's not that hard to release on your own anymore. You can go to any of these distributors and do it yourself. But releasing music, right. I mean, there's thousands upon thousands of songs that get released every single day. So many things that you need to do before you even do that. So um, that's a common mistake where these students will come in and I'm like, why did you post something? I told you to wait. And they're like, because I, I, I like the way this came out. I'm like, okay, well, can we maybe learn how to sing it first live <laughs> before you do that? This is why we have a saying in Nashville that somebody will ask, well, how do you make a million dollars in the music business? And we say, you start with two million. Yes, <laughs> that's a good, I love that. It's like, it's like a really bad garden that you plant. You just like throw some seed out there and wish it luck. What you just said is actually common, a common mistake is that I will see a lot of artists give up right when they're about to emerge into something amazing. I think it was Alan Jackson that was at the airport ready to go home when somebody, and I can't remember who it was, it could have been Glenn Campbell or somebody, stopped him and talked him into staying. How do you help your artists create great songs, not just good material or mediocre material. What is a typical, and I, I know you've got tons of them, but give us one typical songwriter exercise that you give people. Yeah, I definitely have tons, but one of them is to just do stream of consciousness and write a letter to yourself. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people mm -hmm. don't know how to do stream of consciousness, you know, grammar imperfections. I don't care if it doesn't make sense. I don't care if you just write, I feel lousy today a hundred times, just do stream of consciousness and get your feelings out. And I don't really believe in um, having writer's block. Right. I think that it's more of just like an emotional barrier that you need to kind of just break down, like as if you've been, you know, hurt in a relationship. It's not really a mm -hmm. block. You just have to open it up. So I will say, you know, write it down, type it out. However, just do a stream of consciousness. Write a letter to your past self, your present self, your future self. Give yourself that exercise at least and then bring it to And then we'll sit here and we'll kind of pull some stuff out and see. Oh, that's I'll, great. I'll give you one more too. Um, one more that I do is mm -hmm. I'll say, listen to people's conversations. So if you're standing on a street corner, people at the train stop having a conversation, they may say something that you're like, that's a really great song title. You know, keep your notepad with you and write it down. Excellent. And I'm so glad you said that about the stream of consciousness, thinking and writing and getting it down because uh, too many people just go for rhyming lines right, right away. Yes. I'm glad you're out there, Laura. Thank you so very much for being with me today. It's been a fascinating conversation and I really could talk to you for a week. Listen, I'm happy to, <laughs> I, can, I connect with you very, very easy. I think that we are kindred spirits. Yeah, I do too. If you, next time I get to Nashville, I'd love to meet you. Thank you for having me and thank you for being so honest and for what you do as well. 
Thank you. And we will see each other down the road, I'm sure, hopefully in person. Absolutely. Okay, guys, I hope you enjoyed this chat I did with Laura Monaco Martinez. Remember that you can find her at ET Studio Productions, TE Music Group, and ET Labs, that's L-A-B-Z. And I'll leave links to those websites in the podcast notes. This is Judy Rodman. You can find me at judyrodman.com. To support this podcast, it could benefit tremendously with your review. To do so, go to ratethispodcast.com slash ATV. Also, hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. See you next time on All Things Vocal, the podcast for singers, speakers, vocal coaches, studio producers, and artist development mentors.